0: This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. We're going to talk about airplanes. Airplanes are a big deal. In fact, uh, before they started, in 1903, the Wright brothers took their first Flight and uh, the short flight was the automobile. Aircrafts uh, kind of changed everything. Um, if you think about what those motor motors did when they got inside the engines and they started lifting up in those elementary early stages, and how it developed over time. Before that, people got around by train or by buggy or even by some cars. As the cars began to be developed, I, just this week I saw a Model T driving down the road and. I thought, wow, look at that. Well, we've come a long ways in travel. In fact, uh, I remember with travel with my car, going back and forth to Michigan where I grew up, and it would be about a nine-hour drive, and, and uh, it's a good trip. It's good beauty to see God's green earth and to see all of the beauty of driving through Wisconsin and avoiding their state troopers and all of that kind of stuff, and, and then finally making their nine hours later. And uh, but I, I I'm really appreciative of what's developed since 1903 because now commercial flights, now you can jump on a plane and go to just about any city, and I can make it to Michigan in one hour. Um, it's really made a difference in much of our travel, and really that commercial flight helps us go further faster. It's the same amount of distance, but we can go further faster. And, if, and when I think of the assets that, that flight has brought to life and to church even for world missions and our ability to go touch places on the planet and humanitarian crisis and, and to really get to places and say nothing of going on vacation. Anybody ever flown in a plane? Let me see your hands. You appreciate going on a flight. Now, uh, as I look at it, how do planes fly? I was looking into it. And uh, I'm going to give you an elementary kind of uh, feel of it. You know, the airplane lift, a plane's engines are designed to move it forward at high speed. That makes air flow rapidly over the wings, which throw the air down toward the ground, generating an upward force called lift that overcomes the plane's weight and holds it in the sky. The wings force the air downward, and that pushes the plane upward. And the bottom line is that it takes thrust, or the engine, to lift the weight in the air and create lift. So I've got this, this almost looks like I drew it, doesn't it? Um, Although I'm not even that good, really. Uh, But if you think about a plane going up, there's a a thrust that's so fast that it lifts it up and requires the wings to have the wind come underneath and under it, and it overcomes gravity. It has an ability to do something that really shouldn't happen. Something really heavy shouldn't get off the ground that way. And, of course, engineers have figured out how to utilize uh, aerodynamics to lift it up. Why am I spending this much time talking about the benefits of air travel today? You're like, I thought we came to church, Pastor Nate. Well, the answer is this. I believe that there are enormous possibilities for every follower of Jesus gaining more traction in your life Life has a way of naturally keeping us down, living with unrealistic pressure to keep going further and faster. And I want you to know that the kingdom of God wants to lift you into a place of life where God's way provides the thrust to keep us in the air and moving toward our God-given destination. God's kingdom is created in a way to defy gravity, if you will. On the ground, we deal with that gravitational pull of life, resistance, that, that, that drag on our, our, our plane, if you will. And we have worries and the cares of life and caring for our families and our finances. and, and our, uh, We're in the middle of a pandemic. Anybody know that? Uh, there's stuff that just fights against us and those relational responsibilities that we can just feel really fatigued. Um, We can feel like we're working our tail off just to survive. And I want you to know that the Bible has a lot to show us about how to go further, faster, God's way. Not our way, but God's way. Even if no one ever taught you growing up how to do certain things, the kingdom of God is available for everyone. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can lift. (laughs) Yes, the kingdom of God is for everyone. And if we can discover the simple patterns that are taught in the word of God that will help us move from being frustrated with our rush hour traffic life to a way of living that is content in every circumstance and able to build on our successes, we will benefit the world around us, not just our own life. There are ancient truths, thousands of years hidden in the scripture and people that follow God's kingdom way. Who have discovered faith in Jesus and a trust in the word of God have received a lift to their soul. How many of you received a lift to your soul b- before today? All by following Jesus' way. And God's kingdom principles provide a lift that saturates a soul and provides what the election won't provide, OK? Peace and purpose and provision and promotion and security. It, and I'm, by the way, I'm not talking about, we're not trying to talk about how to get rich. This is not a sermon on how to get rich. In fact, the kingdom of God isn't about how to get rich. I'm talking about how to follow in God's ways. In fact, listen, getting more stuff isn't going to help you. That's not the goal. The goal is to follow the kingdom way. In fact, people in the studies have shown that both the wealthy and the financially poor deal with worry, anxiety, and stress. Both groups do. And having more only makes you more of what you already are. That's, so I'm not talking about just winning the lottery. Come to church and figure out how to get rich quick. That's not what we're talking about. God's lift will include how we manage our resources. It will. But it has to do with our mindset. Not just an accumulation of money, but God's way. What is God's kingdom way? Proverbs chapter 3 Verse five and six, says, "'Trust in the Lord with all your heart, "'and lean not on your own understanding. "'In all your ways acknowledge him, "'and he will make your paths straight.'" In fact, I want you to leave that up there on the screen if you could. I want you to read that out loud with me, ready? Here we go. "'Trust in the Lord with all your heart, "'and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths He will do that. So we've got to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Biblically speaking, what is trusting in the Lord with all your heart? Well, I want you to know it includes trusting him with all your thoughts. For the thought life encompasses your heart as well. So if you're full of anxiety and you're worried about how to make things work, or how to figure out how to get your kids through school in the middle of the pandemic and all the online hybrid, whatever things you're going through. If all of that is going on in your head, you've got to learn to trust in the Lord with all your thoughts. Your thoughts have to go to Him because your thoughts lead your heart. It's really important for us to catch. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, don't lean against, your own way of thinking. Whatever it was, the way you were raised potentially, or just the way you do things, that's not necessarily going to help you out. No, you're supposed to trust in the Lord and lean not on your owner. And then there's lift. There's blessing. There's opportunity for a future that looks light and the load isn't heavy. Uh, I love telling the story of, of us raising kids. And uh, now, of course, we get to raise a grandkid, which is amazing. And just this week, we we're reflecting on we know the pathway that kids are going to take. And Jody and I were talking about early on when we were raising our toddlers, we had four boys in six and a half years. And we were frequent visitors to the, the, the clinic for stitches, bruises, all kinds of things. Heads through the, the sheetrock wall in our house. I mean, all kinds of stuff. At one point, uh, we were out in Michigan. And, you know, when you're a parent of toddlers, you cease to have real... Conversations with people because when you go talk to people, it's like, "Hey, yeah, we're talking." I was like, "Where did he go? What's going on?" And you leave the conversation because you got to go chase down the kid. Well, um, we finally got to Michigan. My parents were living out there at that time, and and uh, we we got to sit down in the kitchen with my parents. And David, our oldest, was in the living room, and uh, he was doing what toddlers do. He was a little daredevil, doing risky thing. He took the cushions off the couch. And he'd put him on the floor, and he'd go up on the couch, and he'd jump off the couch onto the cushions on the floor. How many of you have ever seen kids do stuff like this, right? How many of you are one of those kids, right? Well, he kept making it more and more dangerous. He kept pushing the cushion further away from the couch. And one time, he miscalculated his jump because he jumped, and on the way down, his forehead met the end table, and sure enough, there's this pause. How many know when there's about to be a big screen? There's actually a pause before the screen, right? And so there's this pause, and then the blood-curdling scream. We come down from the kitchen. We look at David. There's blood everywhere, and he's crying. We grab a towel, put it on the wound. I look up at Jody. She looks up at me, and she says, it's your turn to take him to the hospital. <laughs> and so so I'm like, all right. So, uh, I get into the emergency room, and it was one of those days where the whole world chose to go to the emergency room at the same time. We're waiting outside. It seemed like hours. We finally get back to the room, and the doctor looks at it, and he says, sure enough, your, your son's going to need stitches. Now, he's a little, real small kid. He really can't communicate a lot with his words yet, and uh, the doctor simply looks at dad and says, dad, I'm going to need your help. I need you to hold him down because I'm gonna to need to put a, a needle in his wound to deaden the wound so I can clean it out before we stitch it up. And he said, little kids are known to have superhuman strength when I do that. So you gotta be ready, you gotta like hold him down, right? So sure enough, I'm holding David down and as I hold him down, he's looking up at me, his dad who loves him so much, and then he sees this needle coming for his forehead. And he looks like at me, and a big crocodile tear comes down his face. And he's thinking, Dad, what are you doing to me? Right? But how many know, as his father, I knew what was best for him, even though he didn't understand. In other words, I he needed me to hold him down at the moment, but he would never really understand how this was better for him. It was better if they cleaned the wound out so that they could get a good stitch, so that it would heal correctly, and it wouldn't cause permanent damage. When it comes to our lives to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, it is essential for us to recognize that our Father knows best what's best for us. That we actually don't lean on our own understanding, but we lean on Him. Whatever challenges that we face, if we learn to trust and let God into all of our ways, he will help us. The lift that God brings us is rooted in trusting God. When you talk trusting God with the heart, it will include money. So I'm not going to avoid that today because the Bible doesn't avoid it. Every time you see worship in the scripture, all the way from Genesis through the end of Revelation, there is a sacrifice of some sort. There is a gift of some sort. There is a, There's. it's connected to it. And when it comes to money, Jesus talked about money. In fact, 19 or 16 of his 38 parables talk about money and possessions. So Jesus didn't avoid it, and the church shouldn't either. And some of us get uncomfortable. Pastor, talk about anything, but don't talk about money. Well, I'm not only going to talk about money in this series, but I won't avoid it. Can you, can you accept that? Uh, I, because I want what's best for you. I want what God can do in your life. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart. Well, some people get that kind of mixed up. They think that your treasure will follow your heart. But Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart follows. And the truth is, I found this to be true in our lives as we've raised kids and over, over the years, wherever we've had to spend our time and our money captures our heart. It becomes more and more important to us. As we were raising kids and we were having to put them in sports and music and travel and all of that, we had to go to tournaments and go to different places and the more time and the more money we put in it, the more our heart was there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Jesus is saying, listen, address where your treasure is. Then your heart will follow that. Sometimes we gotta follow God's way, not just say, God, give me what I want, because what I want might not be what's best for me. Now Jesus wasn't trying to get their money, and we're not trying to get your money at Emmanuel. What Jesus was concerned about was our heart. He wants our heart to be in his kingdom. Can I get an amen to that? Now, today I'm gonna deal with one real simple kind of thought today, and that is that the biblical concept of God's lift has two wings. Like the two wings on a plane. If you're going to experience God's blessing or his lift in your life, then you it's gonna deal with these two areas. The first wing is generosity. God cares about people, he notices their needs. And how does he meet their needs? Well, It kind of goes like this. Over on this side, he's got needs that he sees in people's lives. He sees a child that has no home, and that he needs a foster care family or uh, adoptive family. He sees the needs of people that have no food or water. He also sees a family that needs marriage counseling because nobody taught them how to be married. He sees The needs in real people's lives. He sees injustice and things that are missing in those lives. God isn't standing back going, I don't care about those needs. You know that God cares about the needs everywhere on the planet. So his way of filling the needs is on the other side, he has his kids. How many are thankful you're one of the kids? But he looks at his kids, the children of the kingdom of heaven, and he says, I have called you, I blessed you, I poured my resources into you so that I can meet the need. In other words, he looks to his family as the avenue of being generous to take care of the needs of others. In fact, God channels, directs, and funnels his resources through his people. That's how he does it. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, we're looking at the father Abraham who is the father of faith, okay? He's the one that eventually Jesus came from his line. And we are all children of Father Abraham, if you will. Well, at the very beginning of the story of of Abraham's journey, God gives him a great promise. And here's the promise he says. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. In other words, God is saying to Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to lift you. I'm going to help you, give you the resource you need, not only for your life, but so that you can bless others. I'm going to utilize you as my child and my loving relationship, and God loves and cares for his kids. How many know he wants to take care of you? Amen? Amen. So, there's there's a principle. He will take care of you. He will not have you take care of others at your expense. It's at his expense, in a sense. He wants to pour himself into you so that you can be blessed to give and be a blessing. You are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. Turn to somebody next to you and say, You're blessed to be a blessing. Now I want you to consider something with generosity. Generosity, and this is why it's a wing on the plane. If God wants to utilize you to take care of the needs around you, if you're a Christian and some of us have backgrounds of poverty and scarcity or whatever, and we hold and grip things too tightly, the resources that God gives, we might not meet the needs of others because we're trying to hold on to what we have. So if you don't have one of, or both of these wings at the same time, you fly around in circles. And God sits up there and goes, why would I give you more resource if you're not gonna take care of the needs that I see? Why would I pour more into you if you're not gonna take care of what I want you to do, to be a blessing? See, God won't release more because we won't release it. He won't release more into our hands because we won't release it. We miss out on God's lift because we won't release it to care for what he cares for. So that's the, that's the generosity wing. On the other side, there's another wing, and that wing is stewardship. Stewardship. Stewardship, the stewardship wing, and we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks The stewardship wing is about how God asks us to take care of what he gives us. A steward is a person who's employed to manage another property, especially a large house or estate. In the Bible, it refers to a person who is left in charge of another person's assets. A steward is entrusted with protecting, maintaining, nurturing, and or growing things, a business, a farm, a household, funds, or people even. A steward is the manager of a house. They manage it. Did you know you're in management? You are in management in God's kingdom. He gives us resources. You're like, well, what resources does God have? God has the whole planet. Everything is his. In fact, Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And the world and all its people belong to him. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But even your kids aren't your kids. They're God's kids that you are entrusted with. And when it comes to what he's given us, he's expecting us to manage parts of his kingdom. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. See, stewardship has to do with how we manage every area of our life, our relationships, our time, our body, our finances, how we handle what God has given us, our talents, our financial resources, and especially for those who maybe don't own a home or a car or whatever, I want you to hear me. Students are stewards of their education. Stay-at-home parents are stewards of their children. So don't just think, because you don't have any things, that you aren't a manager of what God has given you. Everybody is given something, and we are managers of those things. In fact, stewardship is living within your means so that you can have margin to be generous. In other words, it's managing what you've been given in a way that you, uh, the ability to be generous. Now, here's a, a challenge. I talk about the challenge of being st- stingy or being a tightwad, if you will, but they're there's another danger. And the danger is this. We give so much away and we don't manage the resources that we can't give anymore. Maybe we were full of credit card debt or we just did whatever we wanted or we gave away everything because we saw a need but we didn't manage our resources in a way that we could have the ability to give again. And God expects you to manage what he's given you. To have that margin then If you're paying your taxes and you're paying your bills and you're not loading up debt in your life so that you can be more available so that God can use you to bless and take care of others. See, this is a challenge in the church that we run into. Some of us want to be generous people, but we've been poor at managing what God has already given us. And then we feel the tension in our heart, and by the way, We can be in a place, if we're not good stewards, just as much as being overly generous, where we fly in circle in our life and we never get out of that flying in circles because we don't have the wing there. And I want you to hear me today. You can develop a wing, if you will. God can bring lift to your life, and God will help us be generous, but we have to learn to become good stewards. And the good news of this is if even if we aren't taught this, we didn't get this from our parents, and maybe we've been poor with our time, we can gain a wing. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can gain a wing. (laughs) In other words, you might not have one of these two, but you can can start flying. And I wanna tell you how today. It can begin as simple as, this is really the whole message today, with a prayer. It can begin with a prayer, a simple prayer. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, a guy named Jabez. How many of you have ever heard of the prayer of Jabez? Well, some of you are going to be introduced for the first time. I love this prayer. You're going to see it here. Starting in verse 9, it says this. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. I want you to see a couple of things in here. Jabez, it actually says what his name means. It means pain or distress. So in being born, he caused pain. Going all the way back to his birth, he caused problems for the people around him. At least for his mom or his dad, whoever named him. He was named something that was out of pain. Meaning in his history, he caused pain. When he thinks back, it was not a good thought. And those of us can identify with Jabez, we can identify because we look back and we feel guilty about how we stewarded things. Maybe we haven't been as generous as we should have been or wanted to. And we can think back and go, I caused people pain. Maybe some of our spending habits and being free spenders and not being good stewards of our money because we just wanted to have our stuff and whatever we wanted now is causing people pain in our life right now. And I want you to know you can identify with Jabez. We can identify with him because in his history there is pain. But his past did not define his future. This is where I want you to consider today. That your past should not define your future. You can find hope in what Jabez prayed. Look at what he prayed. He said, Oh, that you would bless me or lift me. In fact, if you were to replace the word bless with lift, Oh, that you would get me above this flying in circles thing. Oh, that you would help me get beyond the gravitational pull of never advancing, never going further, faster. Oh, that you would help me become this. And so he's saying that you would bless me. Did you know it's okay to talk to God and say, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to lift my family. I want to be used of you. You can say it to God. You can say it, like he said, expand my territory. Give me more. Now, again, we're going to have to do a stewardship and generosity when it comes to that. Because if he gives us more and we keep it to ourselves, he's going to go, you're not managing what I give you right. Because you're not blessing. And by the way, people that learn to have both those wings, they live a joy-filled life. It's fun when you're managing a resource and you get to make a difference in other people's lives. It's absolutely free, okay? You're not being taken advantage of because you're a good manager of what you have. But Jabez was able to pray, Lord, expand my territory. Would you help us move as a family out of the season that we're in? Not just so that we can have more. We're not just praying, God, help me win the lottery. That's not what we pray. We pray, God, expand our territory so that we can be generous, so that we can bring lift to the people around us. In fact, if you look at it, he says this. He said, Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. In other words, don't let me go back to what I was at the beginning where I caused other people pain. I want in the future to have a life that lifts everybody around me. I want a business that benefits my city. I want a family that helps everybody around me. I want to be a student at a school that lifts all the students around me. I want to be a parent that raises my kids in a way that they have an expanded universe. Their future looks bigger, better than mine did. My history, are you hearing what I'm saying? So he's saying, pray this way. And then, what does it say? God answered His prayer. So today, as we began this series of lift, I want to just challenge you to pray the prayer of Jabez, if you will, to pray that. In fact, I've got it up on the screen. I want you to say it out loud with me. You ready? Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. If you can pray that, you can print it somewhere in your house. You can pray that and say, God, would you expand my territory? And by the way, there's no end expiration date on it. There's no spot. because Well, now that I'm 40, none of your business years old, it's over. It's out of date. Now that I'm in my 70s, it's out of date. No, now that I'm in my 90s, no, it's not out of date. You can pray this for the season of life that you're in. You can pray it and then say, God, I'm willing to surrender and trust in the Lord with all my heart, to lean not on my own understanding, to acknowledge him. Then he will make my path straight. He will make my path straight. I want to take you back to a spot in my story. Between my junior year and senior year of high school, God arrested me. (laughs) I feel like Saul on the road to Damascus. I had my moment where God got a hold of my life. I've shared my testimony here before, but when God got a hold of my life, it wasn't just for that one moment on a trip to Cedar Point, where the bus broke down and God got a hold of me. It was weeks and months after, because it was so real, this relationship with the Lord, that I was beginning to discover that I was surrendering Him to him, not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. And I remember in our old farmhouse, I had a bedroom on the second floor. I would go in that room and close my door and pull out my Walkman tape player. Come on, somebody. Vintage, right there, right? Put my headphones on and I would put on a worship tape. And I would just begin to sing and tears would be coming down my face. At that time, I owned nothing. I had yet to graduate from high school I had jobs that I had, but I didn't know this journey that God would take me on. So I, I was just saying, God, I give you everything. I don't know what I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do. But there was this sweet surrender to God. And then I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I mean, you know, that's a dangerous thing to say to God. But as I did, I, I graduated from high school and I had jobs, and I had a job at a hardware store, and then I had a job at a grocery mart, and I worked in the meat department, and then I had a job in a warehouse, and while I went to community college for two years and served in the youth ministry, I get a paycheck every week. And I could pray my prayer, but really I felt like God was beginning to say, do you really trust me in every part? And so that's when I started tithing. That's when I started giving God what the Bible talks about, the 10%. And then that's just that. God began to do a work in me where I did it even when it was difficult. God also challenged me in being generous and taking care of people. And there were different moments where I'd take care of a meal for somebody that had no money or I I would step into spaces. And I didn't ever tell anybody, but I felt like God was, he gave me enough and I gave it away. And on that journey, as time moved on, and I moved to Minnesota, went to North Central University because I was learning to trust God in that and I continued to do it. Now all of a sudden, when I faced a difficult season and, and I didn't know how we were gonna pay the bill, I went, God, I'm trusting you, you've got a problem. You led me here, I'm trusting you, can you figure out how to help me go to school this semester? And somehow, some way, God w- wove things together and I was able to go one semester at a time. And then when Jody and I got married, and I remember we were going to have our first child, and Jody was a full-time employee. I was a full-time employee. And, and honestly, uh, we made just real close to the same amount of salary a month, and she loved to work. And I remember one night, Sunday night after church, she came back to me from the altar. She had been praying up on the steps of the altar here at Emmanuel. And she came back to me, and she said, I think God wants me to stay home when the baby comes. And I looked at her, and I went, We had never talked about this before. And on one hand, I'm like surprised what my wife was saying this. The other hand, I was also going, how on earth are we gonna pay for anything? We got a baby coming to the home. And I just went back to the Lord and I said, Lord, we still trust you. I don't understand it. This is not leaning on my own understanding. And then somehow we kept tithing. We kept trusting the Lord. God brought us through. Then we had three more babies. I have four kids in six and a half years. And and somehow, one step after the other, I kept trusting him. Here's the thing about a life with God. He can give you more, but it's still always that 10%, if you will. It's still asking me to check in wherever I'm at in my story. And now that I'm 49 of your business years old, I'm at a season of my life where we again are going, Lord, what are you leading us to do? I wanna be open, not just in the trust part, a surrender, a tithe, or whatever you call it, but also in the generosity component, where I'm saying, God, I don't want to hoard what you've given me. I want to be blessed to be a blessing. I want to be lifted to lift others. So Jody and I are now in this season of our story asking God it in new ways. It doesn't ever end. And let me tell you this, when you learn it, when you have nothing, it's a lot easier if you keep doing it as you go along. But if you don't learn it, You might never ever get to that space that you always dreamed of. And some people get to that space and they forget who brought them there. And I also encourage you, no matter where you are, to start with surrender and remembering, I belong to Jesus. He bought me with a price. I'm saved. I'm thankful for what he's done. And he can do more with my life than I can do on my own. Would you stand with me on each of our campuses today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes for a moment. I want to give an opportunity because we do this every single time we gather. Perhaps there's somebody that came to church today or joined us online. And you, God's been speaking to you. It's not just Pastor Nate talking to you, God is talking to you. And you need to surrender to Jesus and give your life to him. I don't know who you are, I don't know your story, but I can promise you this, only Jesus can give you the lift of eternal life. Only Jesus can set you free from that other stuff that's inside called sin. And only Jesus can give you a future and a hope. And if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, you you can discover he will make your future, your path straight. Nobody's looking around, but if you say, Pastor Nate, that's me, I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to come back to him today just put your hand up and say that's me Pastor Nate yeah I need to come back yeah 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 yes 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 several dozen people giving their life to Jesus today I want to lead you in a prayer and as uh, you pray this prayer I believe that God will hear your voice saying out to the Lord so mean it from your heart but just pray these words and everybody else you can join right in and say Jesus thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, you died on the cross for my sin, and then you rose from the dead. And now I know you're alive. Today, I give up. I surrender to you. Please forgive me of my sin and make me new. I choose to follow you And your ways for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, I really want you to stay in the journey. Keep following Jesus. In fact, I want to send you a quick link if I can. Just text the word Emmanuel to 313131 31, 31. right now. You can take your phone out and just say, I'm going to text that. I'll send you a quick link. Your next steps can be in following Jesus. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.